0: And he gets on that, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> this is all over now. And he's just walking straight towards me. I don't have anything for cover. Like, this is going to end up bad. Yeah. And so I just ducked my head down a little bit, hid hit my face from him with the brim of my hat, and let him just... You know, I was trying not to breathe. You know, even my vinyl harness is moving. I'm like, he's going to see that movement, and he's yeah. going to blow it up. And he walks right up
1: to a few feet away from me and stops. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. This episode is brought to you by Zerotech Software Development. Are you a company whose commitment to excellence demands effective software tools? Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help build or enhance your technological systems with mobile, web, and back-end solutions. You can find them at Zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. Hey, guys on today's episode i chatted with troy rinan and troy is a, a unbelievable hunter and archer uh he gets into a lot of different things with fishing and stuff like that too but his his skill in archery is is probably the best i know he's uh, yeah just unbelievable uh modestly so he, he he'll make sure not to tell you about it but he's uh gotten into it really heavy over the years and just gotten hardcore into the shooting whatever else but we really talked a lot about mule deer and and mule deer hunting and it was fu- so it was fun to uh Kind of pick his brain just because I almost put him on another another level above me and where I've gone to just because of how far he's gotten into that world. Um, but it was fun to chat with Troy. I hope you guys enjoy this one. Welcome to the Obsessed Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Herkus. In this podcast, we get to meet and hear from folks who are obsessed with a wide array of interesting endeavors. We dive into some awesome stories and look at the mindsets and the psychology of those who are obsessed. Let's go.
0: Barbacoa.
1: Barbacoa. What is that?
0: Barbacoa. It's, I don't know, it's like a Mexican dish, but on Hank Shaw's website, he, he, uh, I don't know hank shaw's what i don't know if you know who hank shaw is but no he's an author or, uh, he is an author but he's written a bunch of cookbooks anybody does all like wild game stuff mm-hmm. and when and on his website like I, I bought his cookbooks before and it's sweet having his cookbooks like buck buck moose and you have just a bunch of recipes for venison but i end up with his cookbooks just kind of sitting on, on the shelf and i end up just tearing through his website more than anything <laughs> And on his website, he's got a uh, recipe for a venison barbacoa, and it's pretty simple, just lime juice, vinegar, and you know, a few other things, onions, garlic, and some seasonings. You let it simmer for a long time, mm-hmm. front shoulder, neck, whatever, and it ends up just phenomenal though. Hmm. You pull it, it's like shredded beef, you pull it apart and give it a quick sear in some lard, and something about adding lard to it just makes it so greasy and so phenomenal
1: yeah where do you get the lard from like you just buy lard from the store
0: i just get a bunch of rancid beef from the door shop it's okay. like gray and looks garbage hmm. get it in plastic bags like clear bags it's like zip tied and it's just like gray and just looks nasty and i sit there and meticulously trim off the crappy stuff and put it huh. rendering You know, yeah just a little cooker but
1: Unreal the uh because yeah i mean uh my exposure to the wild gabe side of things with with like steve and and the meat of your stuff and the also buco which i've seen you do those kind of things but none of this venison barbacoa i've never heard of that mm-hmm.
0: that is by far and away like to me that's like one of the best things you can do with just like a front shoulder take a front shoulder and make some barbacoa and there's something about searing it in lard it like it is a game changer it takes what you know because normally you can like slow cook some like a venison front shoulder or a neck down Mm -hmm. and shred it and add some of the stock to it and it's like good it's Mm -hmm. moist and everything but there's something about searing it in that lard like you make some of it kind of crispy Mm -hmm. and it just makes it like just nice and greasy (laughs) and it's just it's phenomenal
1: and then you just eat it plain or you put it on a sandwich or what do you do
0: no we just i do tacos um but pretty simple I, i like just onions lime cilantro salt for like a garnish mix that all up yeah and then just like some i can't even pronounce it but that cotija okay cheese or something like that and then just some hot sauce hmm. keep her pretty simple but yeah
1: the uh should we roll with this yeah okay we can make this work and then we can edit out anything we don't want or whatever okay. but yeah um Uh, so we were talking earlier before we hopped on just I was curious what because you've done a lot of different hunting fishing stuff like this right but Mm -hmm. I was curious about what was number one and you were talking September mule deer like if you had Mm -hmm. to pick one thing and get rid of all the rest or if there's one thing that really gets you excited that's it but uh and I was curious about again your beginnings and you you were mentioning again before we got on here about Jeff Hopper bringing you guys out for the first couple years you know kind of just trying to figure it out but my exposure to you has always been just hardcore mule deer hunter, hardcore in the archery, like super technical leaps and bounds from where I was at to where I wanted to be. Uh, so I was just curious what that progression was like and how did you get from you know hey driving in the truck what are we doing here to like hardcore technical uh, that whole side of it like what was that like or how did you how did yeah, you get to road that hunting. yeah <laughs> especially
0: yeah. with Jeff Jeff I like I could eagle-eyed deer from, Matt. it was just frustrating. Anytime we're driving, every like, there's a deer. Yeah. There's a deer, there's a deer. There. But yeah, we'd just load up the truck with the old plots book and guess where we were at and go hike around pointlessly. I mean, we just didn't know what we were doing that first year. Yeah. You know, occasionally see deer, we'd see more deer on the side of the road, so we just end up doing more driving around than anything.
1: hmm
0: And that, like, for sure, that first year, that's all it was, it was just, a whole lot of driving around with very and some hiking with very little seeing deer yeah and i don't know if we did that for two years now i'm trying to think it it probably was two years maybe that second year i think that's when kyle and some of those guys started hunting as well yeah and as we started to get a little more into it more and we started like we'd go sit somewhere with binos you know just holding binos up Mm -hmm. and look over some valley and you see deer but you know when you think about it like the amount of times we actually like even had like the closest thing to success where like we would get remotely close to a deer and it was like man that was awesome like that happened like very few times that first you know year for sure yeah for that the first few years you know but
1: right it's funny the progression you go through like for example the first time i've told the story with mike mass but the first time he took me out is uh, we were laying on our belly just hand holding binocs and for whatever reason i thought like this is how you glass you know so the next time (laughs) Next time I went out, I bought a tripod and I had to make sure that it was low enough that I could use the tripod on my belly. You know, <laughs> you know I, eventually you realize, hey, you can just sit down and have a, <laughs> be a normal human, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. but So I guess I was curious about that for you. And again, I, I I guess as a crew, like you and Kyle and Mike and these guys and the Kill Plus you were talking about, uh, this stuff as you went and watching videos in the off season and stuff, like, how do you even get to the point where you, yeah I guess it's just piece by piece but how do you get to that point I guess I was curious and then through on top of how do you get to that what was it like like the first time out glassing seeing a huge meal there making a stock doing those kind of things can you get into some of that
0: yeah yeah I mean I suppose like talking about that progression it's probably a lot yeah I mean you know like growing up fishing like when you go fishing with somebody that like fish is a fair amount but they don't like it wasn't something they did since they were young mm-hmm. and like you like notice certain things or i don't know maybe it's just more maybe it's more my grandpa and me where i get super particular about little stuff when you go fishing but yeah but you can notice it and it was probably like you think about it, like us out there like we were probably just such gong shows that for <laughs> the first few years like everything we did yeah
1: man it was probably just i mean chaos looking back now but yeah no i, I again uh so for, for me, early on, it was going from laying on my belly thinking this is the way to glass, you know, not even knowing, right, mm-hmm. uh, to eventually, you know, okay, you're like, okay, I can sit down, I can do this, I, you know, spend all summer as much as I could on the weekends out there glassing and just trying to learn these animals and scout, even though you could argue, hey, why does that benefit you? I guess that's getting t- in the weeds there, I guess. But anyways, trying to scout all summer and doing this and doing that and shooting and it just felt like you went from like zero to 85 pretty quick mm-hmm. right uh, but that 85 to 100 is another huge gap Oh, yeah. uh, but you still get to the point where it's like again you know, I could see that being particular like no this is the way I'm going to do it and, and nothing you can say will change mm-hmm. that or whatever too but um but just those first experiences like seeing mass stock into 15 yards on that buck which is mm-hmm. unbelievable like we went to the bull shop that day bought a bull, bought my <laughs> license like i'm in you know <laughs> and uh yeah just hard to describe and then getting up and just the open skies the open country all that kind of stuff but seeing that i mean what you think at first is okay you see the deer that's like a two and a half year old mule deer you, you're you're blown away well, you know what i mean
0: coming from the up yeah right like the first two-year-old year, you're like that thing's a giant yeah. <laughs> look at the side anyone that lives up there's like shut up I'm right like, <laughs> yeah. yeah no it is funny but man there is something about that just uh, that openness and especially september i just absolutely love early season yeah and the wind blowing through the weeds as you're hiking out there hmm just sit down on a glass and tip, get a little bit cold, put on the old puffy jacket, uh, you got know, your snacks and your backpack. and
1: Yeah. And then in- inevitably it ends up 100 degrees and you're just dying. Yeah. Thirsty. <laughs> yeah. We'll go, we'll go a bu- bunch of different rabbit holes, but I'm curious. I, I guess this is something I was thinking about coming in here. For you, I, I get a lot of different answers for a lot of different people about, okay, you talk about, okay, your passion for mule deer hunting. How do you look at it, right? But I'm curious, do you... Like, when you're out hunting, you're out on these adventures, you're out backpacking, you're doing whatever, do you romanticize it? Like, in your head, like, uh, is it is it just straight fun and that's all it is and, 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 and you and you just go from there? Or do you look at it as, like, I'm on an adventure or do you reflect on it uh, as, like, a, a, a romantic thing?
0: Oh, I definitely romanticize. I definitely r- romanticize, like, these feelings. Like, I think about a lot, like, man, I just can't wait for it. And you just... Yeah... Yeah, definitely. And especially because, like, some of, like, the most miserable experiences you have, like, where you're just brutal Mm -hmm. and cold and miserable, you always look back on those with, like, two rose-colored glasses. I mean, you're like, oh, that was actually sweet in hindsight, (laughs) but actually it sucked. It absolutely sucked. (laughs) Right. But, yeah, see that? I mean, I run my ass eyes at big time.
1: Yeah. But there's a part of me that's like, okay, I don't even know how to put it into words. I struggle to put it into words. Like, growing up, you romanticize or whatever you look up to like the cowboy and the Western culture and whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then when I'm out there hunting, it, it like fulfills that eight year old spirit of going on an adventure in the backyard or whatever. Right. Uh, and it, and it feels like you're in this landscape that's like, uh, Hard, again hard to even put into words that western landscape something about it the open skies and then also like the freedom like hey i want to go over there okay walk over there mm-hmm. and you can see it you can go over there you can go over here and it feels like you're in this like untouched world way more than here in the up even though the up is untouched but maybe just the trees close you in or something like that
0: definitely feels more restrictive and i just yeah i mean you can get on some decent chunks of you know, some C F A or C F R some timber company land or mm-hmm. some national forest. You and some pretty big chunks. But like I feel like, you know, do a fair amount of turkey on and I feel like when you're turkey on you're just always like, Oh, if only I had another yeah. <laughs> right. hundred yards that way I could kill that turkey so easy. But Right It feels way more restrictive than the UPA out there it's yeah, you're just
1: you know, like a kid let loose, it feels like. Mm-hmm. But when I'm okay, so when I'm walking around, uh, again, you you wake up in the morning, you're there early. What the heck, you have to wake up three a.m. in the early season, four a.m. Mm-hmm. depending where you're going, whatever yeah. it is, you know. Uh, and you get up there, you're glassing and you're hiking around. You're like, I want to go that way, and you're walking up and down these coolies, like while that's happening, and I'm smelling the sage or whatever. Like the whole experience is just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I catch myself in it, feeling like. I'm the only person on earth does that make sense i don't know like uh, it's you know you get on top of a knob and you look and you're like everything i can see i can hunt basically Mm -hmm. you know and it's just that freedom and the openness and the whole thing and it fits whatever that is that is just hard to put words to that i romanticize a ton but i i don't know that everybody does i guess that's why i'm curious for you do you yeah
0: and i maybe don't (laughs) I guess maybe i don't know it is interesting to think that like you feel like this way mm-hmm. doing this thing as if like and you kind of like even though like there's actually like a whole bunch of other people out there doing that same thing mm-hmm. you don't want really to think about it i no, i think about it it's very much like man this is like the greatest thing ever and i guess i don't know i don't it feels good. It feels like normal, but I don't. Really, I guess I don't really think about much in the moment. Mm-hmm. I end up romanticizing a lot after the fact. I feel like. Yeah. I mean, I I think that's kind of par for the course. A lot of times, like you try to appreciate it when mm-hmm. you're in these moments. You try to be like, oh, enjoy the moment. But it's generally hard to like. It's hard to like truly soak up these moments. I mean.
1: Yeah. No. As I said that, and as you were answering, I was thinking to myself, it's probably more common that I'm romanticizing it after the fact. Yeah. You know. I think
0: that happens a lot, but.
1: Where, But I'll still catch myself in little moments like the sun's just hitting just right or whatever it is and, and then feeling that in that moment. And that's the, that powerful moment too when you can feel it right then. But mm-hmm. I think it is more so after the fact, looking back on it, whatever else. But Whereas when you're in the moment, you're thinking like, Uh, technical like I don't want to lose this deer Uh, Mm -hmm. where is this thing bedded where am I going stuff like that probably yeah usually in pure panic mode did I choose the right spot
0: (laughs) as soon as dawn breaks there's not a hundred deer in front of me I'm like yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I didn't choose the right spot now what do I do oh my there better be some deer around Yeah, (laughs) pure panic (laughs) it's funny I yeah, actually, that was another question I had for you because I was thinking that there are times you're 15 minutes into light, I don't have three bucks, what's wrong? You know, oh, yeah and, yeah. and you're like, what the heck? you know? And then you do the old like, okay, I'm going to panic, run over the hill over there and look for something, not find something, come back and there's five bucks just feeding. <laughs> like if I would have just sat here for 20 minutes, I would have been fine, you know? That is the hardest thing to
0: do is to le- like... I mean, you have to, though. I mean, because no matter what, you could have the best, you could be looking over the best valley, and just for whatever reason. I mean, who knows what? Coyotes, because sometimes coyotes will blow out a valley. Mm-hmm. The next time a coyote goes through, not a deer will move. So much stuff changes day to day. But yeah, you could have the best valley ever, and there could be also no bucks in there one morning. And you could pointlessly sit there and look over the valley, or you can move. Mm-hmm. But it is sometimes one of the hardest things to do is like, well, this valley's been good for the last month, I've seen deer in here. Like, what well, why now? So why should I move? But yeah and a lot of times when you do move later in the morning it is tough to find deer then again mm-hmm. where they start doing their
1: early morning bed and you're like yeah it gets pretty tough yeah that's where again, like, in general i found it's better to just wait it out uh, but even move 100 yards move over the hill look the other direction whatever but if you if, you, if your move requires a two hour move you're gonna miss the all that prime time that you're mm-hmm. way better off staying where you're at mm-hmm. and figuring something out there
0: and i do feel like it's pretty um season dependent like sure. if you're in in like october let's say i mean just move because mm-hmm. i feel like you're just you're better off covering ground in october but if you're in september yeah you have such a long they like give a pretty good window of deer movement in the morning and mm-hmm. in the evening even right like but especially the morning that morning movement in september is so long that yeah some deer are gonna move i mean they might you might sit there for an hour and not see anything and also have a bunch of deer in front of you
1: mm-hmm. no but so and i was curious about that is do you lean more towards patience or aggressiveness because you could you could have both work mm-hmm. right what do you like when in doubt do you lean patient or lean aggressive patient
0: i definitely like especially like with everything i mean i like i like having a big old spotter and, mm-hmm. and i love i just sit i love to sit there in glass and i'll move maybe to get different angles on stuff but i'll generally focus on like one area you know and i'll just pick it apart um, mm-hmm but yeah patience patience even in the stock you know there's times there's times when you're just like this needs to happen now and you mm-hmm. just gotta cut a deer off whatever but generally like anytime like i do ruin stuff i feel like it's because i'm not patient enough mm-hmm. like if i just stick with like waiting until they get into their bed setting up a good game plan and just being patient about it instead of like they bed down once and they sit there for half an hour and you get pretty excited. Like mm-hmm. that's a perfect spot. I should just run in there, shoot them real quick. Yeah. And as soon as you do that, they're, well, they're going to move to their actual bed mm-hmm. and lose them. But yeah. I definitely lean hard on patience, and, and it sucks. Cause like, I'll eat hard, like, especially to the point where like, when I get in on a deer, I don't plan it. Like a lot of times I don't plan on shooting that thing until evening and it's like noon and you're baking in the sun you got, know, three ounces of water left on you. And you're like, man, this is going to be a miserable day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I, I, I definitely leaned hard on patients and I learned, I think, I feel like I went up a notch when I, I think it was Nels or Ricky or both of them were talking like, Hey, deer don't have time. You know, mm-hmm. they don't have a clock. You want to get back for lunch or whatever mm-hmm. you want to do, but they don't care. They'll sit well, there yeah. all day, you know, yeah. uh, and, and realizing that is like, no, you got all the time in the world. If you're there 10 minutes from now or 20 minutes from now, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know? Again, there's a rare exception when you got to cut them off when they're behind the hill or whatever, yeah. but it is like exactly it. so many times I was like I messed that up strictly because I was too fast and it's okay. like slow down, slow down, slow down, you know.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, you hear you know, and know a lot of people do. A lot of people do that early on is like they'll get an deer and they'll just I mean the deer is in its bed and mm-hmm. and they're within bow range. So like, well, I'll just shoot it. You know, just draw. You look know, maybe draw below the hill and stand up and try shooting it. But I mean, you just when you push the situation like that, like. Those deer are stupid. A lot, like, if you make any movement, where eyeball is gonna see you, like where they're, where you can see their eyeball, their mm-hmm. eyeball is gonna see you, and they're gonna bugger out so fast, and you're never gonna get a shot. Right. And even with the whole like, where you do have a spot where you could draw on them in a bed without them seeing, they'll throw a rock situation or throw something. <laughs> Been there, done that. And a lot of people haven't. I mean, a lot of people do it successfully, but I just feel like you are so much better off. Those deer get up so often. Like, if you are set up in a spot, shoot them in their bed they're not going to stay there for more than they're not going to sit there for more than two three hours without getting up and scratching themselves or something you know mm-hmm. <clears throat> but <clears throat> yeah i mean the one time actually i only did it once the one time when i threw a rock and it actually probably would have worked oh i threw a shock collar remote because i had my dog with me but <laughs> threw the shock collar remote and I was at full draw the buck didn't stand up yet but a way bigger buck stood up where the shot collar remote landed <laughs> <laughs> and so i'm sitting there at full draw with this bigger buck looking at me and i'm aiming at this smaller buck which is still a nice buck i mean it was a, you know a 10 point white tail down in south dakota and i was just like shoot what do i do here and i decided i couldn't live with myself i didn't try for the bigger buck so i tried for that and he buggered all, and then the other buck stood up like what the heck
1: and i tried swinging back on the little buck and he buttered on out of there yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's uh yeah but the whole world of it is just unbelievable like that's the what i say the start of this podcast is is just being something where we talk about it year-round mule deer hunting right Mm -hmm. think about it year-round and it's like man it'd be interesting to talk to other people that are into other things but then for you just to talk about the mule deer hunting like i just remember those first times out glassing with mike and then by myself then going out and finding bucks in july and then Mm -hmm. oh man Just just unbelievable.
0: Just think about like the, like when you first lay your eyes on just like a really big buck, just that feeling like there's so much antler on that mule
1: coming out there, and you're just like, (laughs) you can't believe that that you're actually looking at this thing. Right. That is a feeling. That is something. Yeah. And the (laughs) adrenaline of like those first stocks. Oh. Still, like, like, I know we're going bull hunts this fall. Uh, I'll just be straight adrenaline on those first stocks. Yeah. I mean, probably all of them. I don't know, but... Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's crazy how much that, that wears you out. You sit there, stop, and you keep getting your adrenaline just through the... through the, yeah. How much after once. It's all said and done, whether it didn't work, worked, whatever. Yeah. Just the crap, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wipes you out. Yeah. Like I said, to start it off, though, in September, you got to get up at... Depending on where you're going, you're getting up at 3. It's a grind. 2.30 yeah. to 4, basically, you're getting up in that mm-hmm. time. You know? you Midday naps are
0: they're about a necessity in that yeah (laughs) in early september i mean those daylight is so so long Mm -hmm. yeah and you get into like and it feels long and you're like you kind of lament how long daylight is and they get into november and you're just like
1: man these days are
0: short where'd the daylight go
1: yeah so then did you have it okay so i the like the glassing side of things. I love glassing. I mm-hmm. could just glass a, a hillside for nothing, just, for, oh, yeah. just to look through the binocs, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which I'll do sometimes, you know. I mean? Yeah. And, and did you have that as well? Like early on, you had that huge appreciation for glassing and do you still, like, is that a, a big part of why you enjoy it or what you enjoy about it is the glassing side of things?
0: I don't think I really did at first, but first I don't know, like, you know, I had just bottom of the barrel optics. And mm-hmm. yeah, like once, you know, once it, definitely once you got a little better optics. Well, even no, because even before that, there was a definitely period, even with crappy optics, where you just, yeah, you start to just enjoy just sitting, something about just sitting there on hilltop, looking out and just watching those animals move, and they mm-hmm. just go about their business unbeknownst to you. And, you know, like, or they don't know you're there. They're just so, na- yeah, it, it feels awesome. And especially, like, it is a fun thing to do, you know, sometimes with with the body you're just sitting there bs and going down rabbit holes
1: you know just BSing and watching deer it's that's <laughs> yeah, a good time yeah yeah just eating snacks it's a way different feel that's it too hey hunting the up it's obviously a, a good time but that every deer you see is usually on alert oh you yeah know, you don't ever get to watch deer just be deer they come in on edge to a corn pile right <laughs> right yeah right. Yeah, it, yeah it's it's so awesome watching deer natural yeah but just, and then to be able to just sit on a hillside again, you know, sun's coming up, you're getting warm after your chilly morning, eating snacks, BSing, mm-hmm. drinking coffee, whatever, uh, just watching deer do their thing. And the, I love the game of it. Like there's bucks there. Am I good enough to find them basically? Mm-hmm. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's what, uh, Arizona coos deer is a, that's a,
0: that's a glassing game right there. Yeah. And I don't care who you are. You're going to lose. You're going to, you're going to be watching it deer. It's going to go behind a tree, and you're going to be like, I am not going to take my eyes off this tree until that buck steps out again. Yeah. And a half hour could go by, and you're like, where did this buck go? He mm-hmm. just went behind a tree. That's all he did. You right. could see 360 degrees around that tree, Yeah. Or, and where did he go? And then somebody else would be like, oh, I have him over here. And you're like, how did he get over there? Yeah. <laughs> I I maybe blinked once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that
1: coos deer hunting is glassing on steroids, man. That's... Uh, yeah. Yeah huh no it's uh, uh yeah the mule side of things is just unbelievable but so you had this progression then you got into the well the archery like at first was the the archery just a tool but then you got into it pretty hardcore even oh yeah
0: 100 the tool yeah okay i mean it's just yeah yeah it was a means to an end it was just a, a thing to do a thing was just to hunt and it was like i said it was just more just hunting because it was the state i lived in mm-hmm. and you just hunted your free time you know yeah but then yeah and I was probably shooting a deer on opening day that made me be like well what else could I do during hunting season I don't want to be done already why did I do that I don't want to be done well it's like well you don't have to be done there's right <laughs> there's 50 other states out there mm-hmm. so then I started you know and I actually hunted South Dakota then and then kind of went from there and then as I started to do that that's when like I started to kind of geek out on the archery side and just started to like, buy a bunch of bows and shoot a bunch and tinker around with it and
1: mm-hmm. and
0: just yeah absolutely nerd out about it for a
1: while i don't quite geek out like i did at one point but yeah you, now you're to the point where you're just kind of comfortable with your equipment and roll with it or what do you i still fiddle okay <laughs> to uh
0: yeah i mean well especially i mean as you probably know like just little stuff like arrow weight like mm-hmm. there is a rather hole you could go down and mm-hmm. so i still like you gotta try extremes and i went you know, you know like, try a little bit heavier a little bit heavier a little bit heavier and you end up way on the heavy side and shooting a telephone pole out there and missing deer because you range them by three yards yeah and so you kind of peter. but yeah you you eventually find i mean just like with anything you tinker you find where you like to be at and so i guess i am kind of there like well i was gonna say this ball i've been shooting i've shot it for three years because i like it but i guess it's probably more because i'm too poor to buy a new one but mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah everything like i love I kind of have it dialed now where I like it. I got kind of happy with the arrow weight, which I still do change a little bit. You know, like last year, I went a little bit lighter yet on my arrow setup for antelope, and I ended up just like I just like the trajectory of shot. And I was still on the heavier side of things comparatively, probably. Mm-hmm. But I ended up like liking it so much, I just stuck with that same arrow weight through mule deer
1: season and yeah. ended up deer hunting with it. But yeah, and uh, so but then <clears throat> again. Uh, I kind of put it in two separate categories like uh, the the archery and the mule deer hunting right I mean of course your archery mule deer hunting but I'm saying like the, you, I was totally pumped about the hunting and I enjoyed the shooting and stuff but nowhere near what you got into as far as again on the nerding outside of it mm-hmm. um, but you had kind of both of those grown at once and and was it just to be way better at mule deer hunting why you nerded out on the archery or was there something about the archery that really intrigued you too?
0: I think there was something about archery. There definitely was. Okay. Because, yeah, 100% there was something about the archery. And then there was, you know, me, Andy, and Kyle moved into, I don't know if you remember, we called it Shady Acres, but mm-hmm. there was a house right on the river there. Yeah, you've been there. Yeah. And when we moved into there, like, just being able to step out your front door and just shoot groups at, you know, at a target there was, that really helped, and that's where it's just like, every every morning I could a cup of coffee and, some arrows into a block it was so just felt so good just shoot i don't know i love that's where it really started just love shooting a bow just i mean Mm -hmm. and everyone finds it fun like i don't care who you are i feel like shooting a bow is just a blast like yeah
1: but yeah and that's where that really really took hold i feel like yeah no and i uh, i certainly enjoy it like especially getting together with guys and shooting or whatever is a lot of fun and it's Mm -hmm. good to you know shoot a, shoot an arrow and it goes true. There's that feeling's hard to describe. It's really enjoyable, whatever else, but nowhere near where you were at. Maybe not Maybe uh, on a, again, on a technical level, right? Mm-hmm. You could tell that you obviously, this is something like you got all the equipment, you got all these setups, you've got all this, you're doing that, you're tinkering with this, you're trying this, and then just your accuracy. Uh, and again, you may not say it, but I'll say it right. Just that, uh, impressive to watch you shoot and whatever else is, uh, yeah, just interesting where that comes from or why you took it to that level. And I suppose that, does that fit that theme of this podcast? Just so you get into something, you get into a hardcore, is that part of it? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I'm trying to
0: think. Yeah, no, I, de- I mean, I definitely got, yeah. Probably do it with like a lot of, I probably do it with a lot of stuff in life. I get kind of, I grab onto something and I kind of go a little bit too, too hardcore on it for a little bit. And yeah, but, but archery is something that like, cause a lot of things, you kind of get into it and it fades. Out. I mean, like duck on, you're like, oh, buy all the decoys and you get super hard and duck hunting but then it kind of fades and but mm-hmm. archery and you know just shoot just archery, especially just bow hunting, bow hunting mule deer, just is something that I don't know if that'll ever fade. I don't. I don't think like to me, it's the most exciting thing ever, sneaking on deer and it's bad. Like
1: yeah that I, i'm the same way i could be just all in on something for three months or a year or whatever nothing's mm-hmm. lasted as long as archery mule deer yeah or, yeah. or mule deer in general mm-hmm. nothing oh yeah absolutely I, I literally think about it every single day
0: Yeah, yeah and it, and it is mule deer in general late like these last because these last no couple years more probably because of steve sater like i started actually carrying it on the old boomstick later in the year and mm-hmm. kind of starting to like that getting on the rifle. what everyone saw it for a couple of months that's still a riot i mean yeah yeah it's also fun just hunting deer is
1: just an absolute blast mm-hmm. but yeah it's interesting i've had nothing else that has lasted and in my head like i'm gonna be 70 still how can i make it out there you know <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> Yeah, I, starting uh, to focus towards the future right now like, oh, i right.
1: keep the knees in shape for when i'm 80 yeah <laughs> and uh, I, I i've thought about this is like okay when i'm whatever age hopefully old and i'm crippled and i can't walk as i still want to just su- Somebody plot me on side of a road over a over a big valley and just glass and like find deer for guys or oh, whatever you know like yeah. oh man hard to yeah. say I can't imagine it going away though I, no I, I can't I'm thinking about it though you don't
0: see too many no I think about it. you don't you don't run into too many old duffers out there yeah like even I don't know maybe it's because I guess no it's probably more just a the fact that I'm getting older now, somebody that looks 50 looks closer to my age than somebody that's 18. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I guess, yeah, they're probably still a lot of old people running around. They
1: just don't notice that they're old because I'm getting old. Yeah. But I was listening to a, a Robbie Denning podcast recently. He was talking with a guy who, or they were kind of breaking down, hey, that like the guys that grew up in the 60s. That were in the good old days so when the 80s came around they're like i'm not hunting there's no deer left you know mm-hmm. the guys that were in the 80s by the 90s were like i'm not hunting there's no deer left whatever i mean i was gone up and down but mm-hmm. there's guys today that are 50 or 60 saying i'm not gonna hunt there's no deer left right yeah uh, so that's maybe part of it and would that happen to us like say in 30 years there was a tenth of the deer that you see currently I'd i feel still, like i'd still be yeah, out there hunting right. okay.
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no definitely i but, mean especially well, I guess it's more a uh, let's say, especially with all the just over the counter tags. I hunt to deer numbers aren't really what I'm after when I do that. But I guess right. that's more a product of I'm not the greatest at the old tab- tag application game. So yeah,
1: but I've wondered this too: is like is part of our excitement for the, the the mule deer and that side of it? Is just seeing a lot of deer because we grew up in the UP, where I had one season I sat 31 times, I seen one deer. You know? isn't that something, or I don't know if it's 31, but if I add it up in my head, it was like 30 to 40. I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, all my deer were nocturnal hunting over bait. Right. Uh, you know, probably wasn't doing it quite right or whatever, not playing the wind and all this kind of stuff. But still, I mean, you go, if you're going to go out there for 30 to 40 times to see one deer, and now you can go out there and be like, Hey, I saw 18 bucks this morning. Uh, I mean, scouting or whatever else, right. Not usually during the season, but either way you go from that to seeing so many deer and just, it, 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 yeah i think that's a part of it so you went from like straight struggle to what in our heads is unbelievable but to the other guys they went from even more unbelievable to, yeah, to this yet, the, you know, yeah yeah yeah
0: no it yeah especially for us coming from the up man anyone that can consistently shoot deer in the up is that's they have my respect because that is a grind yeah i don't care who you are that is a grind for sure Of, of not i mean you're just like because you go hunt out west i mean you have excitement every single day mm-hmm. and if you don't like just you end up you kind of can you're hiking you're moving like it's just yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not boring anyway. No oh, man. Right. Yeah, you can be a grind. You had mentioned uh not playing the wind. I always wondered if I if I look at deer movement in way too simplistic of terms, but that is like the main thing I look at when I'm like looking at like, okay, there's where where were these deer? what are they going to do tonight and where will they be in the morning Mm -hmm. i just use like i just and i can't get away from it i just use the i look at the wind i'm just like well i mean i guess you're taking account like where you know they feed and and how the contour plays but mainly you know wind just like what's the wind doing how are they going to be using it i end up just doing that all the time and you probably just like you know just like fishing and catch a just yesterday morning we were out fish and we caught one coho and a green spoons you put on another green spoon and what do you know you got another coho so next thing you know you got all <laughs> green spoons out there <laughs> could be completely getting fooled right it could have just been a complete randomness and maybe that happens a lot
1: when i do that but i like to convince myself it matters you know yeah, yeah. but <clears throat> yeah so on uh i'm trying to think on the technical side which i really appreciate on the uh, getting back to the mule deer hunting side of it is on like a, a glassing on a gear on all that kind of stuff i really get into a hardcore and then uh, um <clears throat> the mapping like the uh google earth mm-hmm. planning all this stuff out whatever else again same deal get into it heavy heavy uh and it's yeah I, as part of it, it's just a way to like be involved you're at work and you should oh, work and yeah. you're looking at google earth or mm-hmm. whatever you know but um, and then you look at it through your eyes, and you're like, "Man, this sucks. What was I thinking?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> happens yeah. a lot. But but I got places too that are like haunt me for three years. Like I need to get in there. And oh, so really? In there, and oh yeah. yeah, just for whatever reason. I mean, especially living here in the UP, you oh, know, it's yeah. just harder harder to get to these certain spots mm-hmm. in many different states and whatever else, you know. But um, then you finally get back there, and it's just yeah, unbelievable. Although it can be the other way too. Yeah. Get back there, and it's not. But I always think about that a
0: lot with like spots I used to hunt and I'm like I should really go back there and see if it was as good as I remember Like, mm-hmm. but obviously I left it to hunt somewhere else so maybe it wasn't that good but yeah. it always it, it always like I'm always curious about it but I'm not that curious about
1: it where I actually go back mm-hmm. in there you know do you uh I really enjoy finding the new places just for whatever reason the adventure of it stuff like mm-hmm. that but do you or do you have places that work and you stick with it do you, or how do you
0: I end up I, I can like when I find a spot I will like that yeah it gets hard for me to when i have a spot i know it's good it's hard for me to like then go look elsewhere i mean it's easy during the summer to like go scout elsewhere but Mm -hmm. once it comes to like okay season's open like i'm going to my number one spot and i'm gonna pound that out And the next year that number one spot's gonna be my first choice again Mm -hmm. but and because like and i know i don't move around enough because i've been forced to move around because of like certain things you know all of a sudden like the number one spot somebody moves a bunch of cows into there right before hunting season and it's just ruined there's yeah. no deer left there and you get forced to go elsewhere or like um south dakota like the spot i've been hunting lately in south dakota like i couldn't imagine hunting anywhere else in south dakota and at, the only reason i found that spot was because i used to hunt, um a lot and they made that a draw this was years ago now but mm-hmm. but they made that a draw unit and so I got forced to go elsewhere. So that happens a lot. But once I do find a spot, I'm like, there's no better spot than this spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's kinda how I get, but hmm. <clears throat> But so often it changes and so often Man, I feel like like I have such a love hate relationship with cows because they can ruin your life. But man, I've some of the best hunting I've had is when the cows are there, but like not quite on the ground I'm hunting, but they're nearby. Mm-hmm. They're all around and they just seem to just push the deer in so lately that's kind of like my favorite spots and i kind of find myself looking for that is like go near
1: cows but not in cows i never yeah i never thought about that Mm -hmm. i mean i thought about cows and deer and how they mix whatever else but never that so you're saying okay you'd potentially find cows and find tighter pockets of deer compared to Mm -hmm. big time like one
0: time in south dakota you could look out over and it was this great big basin and you could see forever, and a whole bunch of cows way to the south and right out in front of me and out to the north, and you couldn't find a deer in there. But then this little block of, uh, it was a little bit of private and some state land, and it was just like the amount of deer that were in that, and there's deer there all the time, like mm-hmm. spread out throughout this basin, but they were just <laughs> concentrated in that one little area. One time me and Hannah were out. We drove out one night, we wanted to go check out this spot and we get there and it's just yeah cows like you wouldn't believe couldn't find a deer to save our lives you know middle of summer found two antelope that was it and we're just leaving like this was a big waste of time we're on the way out and go across cattle guard go a little farther back into cows again i was like wait there wasn't any cows there Hmm. We're in that little area between the cattle guards. I look on Onyx. There's one little, little tiny draw. Went back. There's like, I gotta see. Parked. Step on my vehicle. Take two steps from the vehicle. Three just big old giant bucks go around all the other side. I was like, oh, no kidding. <laughs> there was just a whole bunch of deer in there, but...
1: Yeah. Never went back there because it was a pretty small little area, but... Yeah. The, uh... I'm curious if you could get into that. The first one, you said you got straight lucky, that first mule deer. Mm-hmm. You got. Uh you What was the story there? I mean, just... Outside well, the road? I was, and...
0: No, I was walking into this area. <clears throat> I can't remember what what had compelled me to go to this spot, but I, yeah, I was just walking in and I just peeked over a hill and there's a mule there standing there. I was hmm. like, well, this works. And
1: so I shot it. Like, yeah. that's all it was. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, did you focus on some whitetail for a bit? I can't remember. I know you've done a decent amount of whitetail hunting in there too, but.
0: Uh, I, yeah, after, let me think. Yeah, I did. It was after that year. Then I started, I don't know what had compelled that, but yeah and i'd run trail cameras down the Riverbound and stuff like that and i kind of whitetail hunting mm-hmm. and then i think mainly because like there was like i had pictures of some really unique big bucks one buck in particular mm-hmm. and then uh and it was actually i was on i was hunting this one spot glassing for whitetail and there was mule deer in that spot too and i was but I was hunting this other whitetail spot, so I had this two spots. I was mainly hunting. One had whitetail and mule deer, and one had just whitetail. But there's a super big buck in just that whitetail spot. It was just a four by four. just an eight point whitetail, but like ridiculous bases hmm. and all kinds of points coming off his bases. Every one of his sheds from like early on when he wasn't that big, and it's still like man, that's a a, a matching set. I'm like man, that's a mondo set. But hmm. um, I was sitting there. I was planning on doing an all day set, and at about noon, I was like. I had to go get some food. I didn't bring enough food. So I real quick, I got to my vehicle because it was just, it uh, was not a far hiking. And I was just sitting in the ground. I go to the vehicle and there's somebody else walking in toward, oh. right where I came in from. He's parked right behind me. He walked in just, you know, I don't know, 150 yards away from where I was, was where he was like entering the woods. I was like, That's, you know, I'll just ticked off trying to decide what to do. So I left, got out there and ended up shooting a deer that day, that uh, deer you and. Mm, uh, mm-hmm. kinu came out there yeah but uh kind of funny that i checked the trail cameras of course and later on in that day at about 3 p.m that buck walked by that spot <laughs> <laughs> um. maybe those people pushed it i don't know yeah <laughs> crazy but yeah then it shot the, and, then, <clears throat> and then i i still like i kept hunting that what spot was the white tail mule deer and i don't know pulled up we pulled a pile of bucks out of that one spot yeah i mean but it was you know, talk about the heydays, that spot back in the, like, you, whatever that was, five years ago, six years ago, that was the heydays of that spot. It was nuts. You just sit there and be like, there's a buck, there's a buck, there's a buck, there's a buck. Well, there's another buck, there's mm-hmm. another buck. Like, it was just, and you start naming them all because you see a bunch of them pretty consistently. But man, that spot was crazy, the amount of deer that were in there. And it just kept going down, down, down for some reason. Yeah. And I don't know why.
1: Yeah. I had that with one of my spots, and I don't think it was from, like, me being in there. I think it was just like a progression of feed and mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, that's what I had that, that to me, that's the unsolved riddle. Like I had the spot, very, very good hunting. And then maybe it's maybe hunting pressure. I don't know. But anyways, uh, is recreating that somewhere else. You know what I mean? Is it finding that right time, that right moisture, that right, whatever it is.
0: Yeah. And a lot uh, of times you don't know what it is. Like, I think the reason that that spot was so good that first year was because they were doing a whole bunch of work in a spot nearby here where a lot of those deer would like just a super thick nasty area where I think a lot of those bucks would bed down hmm. and let me can't hunt that ground but yeah like that's the only thing I could think was that it was pushing all these bucks off this like private ground and stuff out over there but now that that's done that's kind of why I went back down is now they're just like why would we be over there on the public ground where you get pressured like crazy yeah you know, so they're all adding on over there but Right. But yeah, just finding, and you might never know what it is. I mean, who knows? I, I just theorizing,
1: you know, mm-hmm. um, so then you shot, okay. So that was a a really nice meal there. You shot then, but then, uh, after that you got a few different meal. I'm just curious, like your favorite stock, uh, your favorite hunt in North Dakota, something like that. If you could pull from one, what that's like or what you go through and then your kind of your thought processes through it, just because I think it's such a foreign world to a lot of people. hmm favorite stock was probably actually in south dakota
0: on a whitetail just spotting stock whitetail any it wasn't in north dakota but it was actually i sent you a picture of that, buck this is i was thinking about that uh yesterday like that was two years ago now i sent you a picture and you asked me to go on this podcast i was like oh yeah <laughs> you know, i just kept pushing it off <laughs> i was like that was two. how did two years go by What yeah. the, man could i procrastinate <laughs> right but uh yeah and, and i think that one was just my favorite because it was I mean that was a uh lesson in patience and i had, like in that spot those white tail do some pretty i mean reasonably consistent patterns mm-hmm. and and it was gonna be a i can't remember now whatever it was gonna be like a southwest wind and well it's a southwest wind they always come from this way well i can just go set up right there and they'll just walk right by me it's not gonna be a thing sure enough southwest wind and they're Going about, but it was real light wind that day. But they're doing what I thought they would do, and here they're coming on a string. And then that wind switches to behind me, and they wind me and run off. Hmm. But I find them again, and so I sneak in on them again. And then all of a sudden they all up, they're all up and they move a little bit, and so I had to back all the way out, get up on a hill again, find out exactly how they were, exactly where they're bedded, making our plan for a stock, going again. All of a sudden they're up and feeding again midday like what is going on yeah back out find out how they are get an idea what to do and i ended up just the last time i went in on them i just took the crick in on them and i uh <clears throat> ended up just kneeling down it, like in the crick, i got as close as i could which wasn't that close but i was like i know they're gonna feed out it was kind of like a a uh horseshoe bend in the creek hmm. and they were out in that point and i knew i mean they were heading back to where they feed every single night like so they're not going to not walk by me mm-hmm. if i just get here so i got as close as i could just to wait you know wait for them to walk by again and then uh, they got up they started feeding the night they're feeding in the evening and that little buck of course little ones are first the big ones hanging back and the, it just ended up being two all the other ones i don't know where they were where they ended up but the two that I was interested in two, one eight pointer, one ten pointer, but the 10 pointer was smaller, younger deer. And he was ahead of that bigger buck and he's feeding, walking, making his way towards me and just tempting me. Like you couldn't believe. And I hmm. am not the greatest trophy owner. I'll shoot whatever, mm-hmm. but I was like, I can't, I just can't. And that thing ended up getting on the trail. That was about probably six feet away from me. Cause I was kneeling on a kind of like a cut bank on the creek in the creek and there's a trail at eye level right on the edge of that cut bank and he gets on that and I was like you gotta be kidding me (laughs) (laughs) this is all over now and he's just walking straight towards me I don't have anything for cover like this is gonna end up bad yeah and so I just ducked my head down a little bit hid my face from him with the brim of my hat and let him just I was trying not to breathe you know even my vinyl harness is moving I'm like he's gonna see that movement and he's gonna blow it up and he walks right up to a few feet away from me and stops and I was like you gotta be kidding me I'm trying not to shake out of my boots and all of a sudden I see his nose dip down in under my hat and and he he starts doing that head bob and trying to figure out what I am he's head bobbing I'm like oh boy this is all over Uh, he does that about well it felt like 38 times but it was probably six times you know uh, (laughs) does that a few times and he just kind of ventures on past like holy crap and he stops Comes back two steps, like you got to be kidding me. This is all over, and he turns on, keeps going. I was like, "Whew, well, that worked out." And then that big buck was still like seventy yards away, feeding, and he starts feeding, kind of getting near that trail. I was debating shooting him. He's in the sixties, and I, I'm pretty bad at just waiting. I'll just end up shooting him at stupid long ranges more often than not. But i was like i'm not i'm gonna let him get close i'm just gonna get a good shot for once i'll just get a nice close shot he's gonna feed out here it's gonna be close yeah and he gets on that same trail and starts walking towards me just walking towards me i don't have much for cover and he's just walking towards me so I'm like i can't draw i can't pick up my ball i can't move i can't breathe right i got no i got no options i'm stuck <laughs> and he ends up at like i don't know what it is so he's within 20 yards by a good margin he ends up stopping turns around and starts licking his butt i was like well that i mean he couldn't ask for anything better than that. yeah so i just ripped my bow back shoved the pin somewhere on his chest and just hauled down <laughs> he um, went about 10 paces and tipped over oh, unreal It was such a fun hunt but all the while i was sitting there i had a muskrat tickling my feet i don't know why the heck that muskrat was just muskrat kept coming back and just coming up <laughs> to my legs and i'm like oh,
1: Get, get, get out of here come on <laughs> <laughs> oh that's crazy mm-hmm. that buck when he was coming that younger buck coming mm-hmm. dipping i mean you're talking feet away or a foot away uh, what are you so it was i was kneeling in the water
0: on the edge of a creek <laughs> bank and it sloped up at probably about a little bit over a 45 degree angle till about the last two feet of ground was a cut bank it was actually like just straight up and down yeah and it was overall eye maybe a little bit above eye level no probably about probably about eye no maybe it's even shallower i don't know but somewhere around that eye level range mm-hmm. so however far that ends up being at that you know i don't know it wasn't far yeah but you could say you could sail it was even 10 20 feet like 20 feet's close but it, right. this was close close yeah <laughs> like i don't know i couldn't believe a tail because that's the thing that gets addicting with tail is how like like you could be feel like you're so hidden like if you're on the ground you could feel like you are like extremely hidden they can't pick up your contour at all and all of a sudden they'll just like look at you and their eyes get about twice as big and they run away and you're like how the heck Mm -hmm. did you see me there's white tail. i don't know they are very good i feel like they're very good at like maybe this is me just theorizing and making pull much grab my ass but i feel like they're very good at like spatial recognition like they remember what that tree looks like and now there's this extra little bump on it they're yeah like, i don't know what that is but i don't like it yeah but so how that how that young buck didn't peg me i will never know to this day i didn't have have a creek behind me i got no cover behind me i got just some willows some
1: whips to my side like i don't know it was mm-hmm. just
0: a miracle but,
1: yeah that's crazy And then that other buck came in and just gave you the shot. Yeah, 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 he
0: just, and especially, I was just like, I was just so proud, I was just so glad I didn't shoot that thing at, you know, whatever he was, just sitting there feeding well within what I've shot many deer
1: at, and I just, but I,
0: for some reason held off on that one, and it Hmm. ended up being so fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, it's, it's hard, yeah, just the, the archery stock It's just such a crazy world. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, again, like you said, the adrenaline and how many times you got to go in and go out. And I'm thinking like the first one I shot that you and Kyle came up, helped me uh, get out is like, it was like a five hour ordeal, you know, know, to, to get the thing and you're doing this and you're doing that and you're making this loop and that loop and you're doing things that like, you know five hours before I killed it or four hours before I killed it, I was at 150 yards, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. like a rifle, boom, you're done. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is <clears throat> again, a lot of times those rifle hunts, the deer are a different animal than, uh, in North Dakota or at some of these other places. Right. But mm-hmm. anyways, it just, and then you're making huge loops and doing this and doing that. It's just hard to describe the, that feeling and that up and down and slow. And it's like, you're playing chess with these things,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah it's just and unreal 99% of the time you didn't
0: make the right choice yeah. <laughs> like, man the yeah. amount of stocks that actually go out as planned that end up as planned in their in deer are so slim yeah like especially like especially down in South Dakota like in that area I hunt there's a lot of buffalo berry brush and they mm-hmm. bed down in that a lot and I couldn't tell you like countless times I've been within 40 yards which I feel like 40 yards is a close shot to me like that's like if I get 40 yards I got Gonna kill us deer, mm-hmm. and the more times I've been within 40 yards of deer down there, it's just been by. I mean, bed down, and they just nothing quite works out when they get up to feed in the evening, and you just don't get a shot. But mm-hmm. I mean, just I'm doing right. But uh when you uh when you were down there in South Dakota guiding, was that a lot of rifle hunts? All some, archery. Uh, all archery. Oh, yeah. it was all archery. Do you guys do animal hunts? Yeah, so antelope open mule deer and mule deer. Yeah.
1: How, how do those animal hunts go? Do you guys have much success? Quite a bit, but it was strictly just water hunting with oh, blinds. Oh, yeah. over water? Yeah. Oh, okay. So for even that, like I'd help out. Basically, you drop the guys off with their chair and their lunch, and they just hang out and hunt water holes for the oh, day. okay. You know, pretty, like the first two weeks was the antelope hunting right and so mm-hmm. at that point you're just running guys picking them up doing whatever but we'd basically <clears throat> get, get get guys set up find a huge knob behind them somewhere and just glass for the day just for the fun of it you know mm-hmm. so you'd watch these antelope come in and watch the whole hunt and then from your view in the distance it looks like it's at 20 yards but it's actually at 80 and oh, you're like yeah, you know, yeah your heart's pumping or whatever you know <laughs> it's uh it's fun but then uh, the whole month of september was then was the deer hunts as well so a mix of uh you'd have anywhere from three to six guys pronghorn hunting and then three guys per week deer hunting oh Um, really so a lot of times i'd be running the pronghorn guys out dropping them off and then going trying to find backup deer or whatever else okay a few days i got to take mule deer hunters out by myself or whatever or the 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 pronghorn guys be done and they'd be like hey logan hike this four mile ridge and find us backup deer like okay that's a sweet job for the day you know know. don't mind if i do right right yeah Hmm. Uh, but all the, all spot and stock archery meal there and that oh, was, that was so fun i mean that was what i was there for oh you know? yeah. yeah absolutely um to basically just for a month and a half spend every day on the hill it mm-hmm. was unreal oh yeah uh, yeah it's it was hard hard with the family you know uh we knew that going into it you know what i mean but you're hard, you're away from them for 5 6 days a week for 7 8 weeks straight it's uh you know, especially for something that's optional, like you're doing this for the fun of it. You know, mm. so one thing I figure like in the military or a trucker and your job requires it or something like that. Right. But this is just like dad out having fun <laughs> for a month and a half. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Uh, so, but it was kind of one of those deals. Like, uh, felt like I just had to do it once, you know, and mm-hmm. that was the time, like a daughter starting school this fall. And then once that starts, it feels like it just won't happen again. Oh you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, well, maybe for a week or two each year or something, you know, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was fun. Could it, you like, could you see
0: like ever doing that? Like, if it, if let's say, let's say the money was there, like mm-hmm. where it was lucrative enough to do this for a, at least for just for whatever, a month every fall, you mm-hmm. do it.
1: For sure. Absolutely.
0: Oh, yeah. Is that fun? Yeah. Like, even like, what about like the people you encounter? Are most of them like
1: fairly avid hunters, or is there a lot of like, A pretty good mix, uh, from hardcore, unbelievable to on the newer side. Mm -hmm. Right. But, uh, the outfitter I was working for has been in business for a while and is pretty selective about who he takes on, Okay, you know, so he's kind of like either vets these guys out or their referrals or whatever. So you got a pretty good mix. Whereas you could picture if you just start, you might be having to weed through, uh, some not so good people mm-hmm. I, I bet you it's just like real estate or anything you know five percent of people are not good to work with
0: oh yeah. you know what i mean or mm-hmm. whatever the number
1: is one yep. percent i don't know what the number is just one out of a hundred people are not that fun right mm-hmm. uh and i think it'd be the same for that and i've got i've been working with people in that aspect for a long time so i don't think that whatever i'd figure it out mm-hmm. you know Oh, yeah. the the hunting side of it though is is unreal and you quickly I like I realized uh the few days I got to go out by myself me and the guy that were you know we're going is like you instantly turn into a hunter you know what I mean like oh, yeah. uh, you're like more you know try to be more passive laid back like you know hey I'm just the new guy here let me do this thing and the other guys are unbelievable like they were clear and I mean they've gone up you know like the, the outfitter has been on, I don't even know, 2000 mule deer kills or something stupid, you know? Um, so I mean, picture how many stocks he's been on. And then the, uh, I don't know the actual number, but just absurd numbers, Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. For the kills and the stocks and the other guys are really, really good as well or whatever. But when it was just me and the guide is like, he, I I definitely went from like, Hey, I'm just here to have a good time. Let's go to like, we're hunting. Let's go. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. 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 That flip flip just switched, you know? Yeah. Uh, no, totally. It's, it was a blast. Would you ever consider it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I would. I, I, I consider, I have considered it. I don't like how like, man, it, they make it tough to even like, to do anything on your own. Like you definitely have to do it through an outfitter mm-hmm. for a while before you ever. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I actually have considered it and I was, you, know, you doing it made me think about it again, but yeah. But yeah, the hardest it's hard to even like, I was just wondering what it was felt like to take somebody else hunting when like, and maybe it would be different in that scenario where you're like, I'm here to like help you kill something. Like Mm -hmm. you would force them into a lot of stuff or force them to, to push through a lot of stuff. Whereas like, you know like when you're hunting with the, with somebody else like it's rare you find somebody that you're just like confident like no matter what I want to do no matter how hard I want to go no matter how far I want to go like they're they're just there and they're going to do it too mm-hmm. like, it's pretty easy like when you're going with other people to be like well I want to go hoof it around there and see if we can get a better angle on this buck but I don't know if they want to do that mm-hmm. you kind of get a little bit like well you know mean end up being a little more passive versus you know like you know that's one thing like like my brother-in-law Brett like it just feel like he's one guy that you just like even vaguely mentioned going after an animal somewhere whale in the middle of nowhere like that one time we seen a brown speck off in the distance didn't know what it was but just a brown speck out there and Kayla and Brett around on the river or Kayla and the kids are on the river and he was just like well let's go and find out <laughs> so I
1: just and bombing it's like already midnight yeah you know but yeah no I do feel like that uh, on that side note is like I remember making the choice early on like in the hunt like do the hard thing no matter what yep. you know what I mean mm-hmm. like if that means you got to do a th- an extra two miles versus I could go 100 yards but the wind's a little shifty mm-hmm. Not, you're never gonna have to go two miles but you know what I'm saying like yeah. if you got to go no, three absolutely. quarter mile now to get a better angle and mm-hmm. sometimes it is too because you got to get it odd the basin and go around or whatever like do that you know mm-hmm. what I mean uh, and, and uh, I think you could do that with your hunters too and you maybe just weed out people that aren't like that yeah you, know? and you
0: definitely would It's it's it, it is way different when you're by yourself versus somebody else even when you're like this person is going to care if we do this. Like it, it makes you think about a little more. Whereas like by myself, it is very easy just to be like whatever way is best. I don't care how long it takes, how hard it takes. Like it's very easy just to do that. Mm -hmm. But when you have somebody else, you at least consider like, are they going to want to do this? Mm -hmm. This is going to suck.
1: Right. But yeah. Yeah. I think you could talk it through with your people and say, this is where it's at. But Yeah. I'm trying to think even, I I had the distinct moment of, okay, taking a gentleman out, we get set up on a hillside, found a buck, uh, and we're going after like, Hey, right now it's, it's, it's hanging out here. Let's watch it for a bit. And I started busting brush. I'm like, no, it's, it's busting brush. We can move fast. Like, let's Mm -hmm. go right now. One of those rare moments that you can just go, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, nope, we got to go right now. We got into like 90 yards. Okay, here we are. It's right across the way, and it's just bus and brush. And he's like, we should sit and wait. And I'm like, it might have been the right call. Hard to say, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm like, it's still bus and brush. He has no idea we're here. We can go again right now. Let's mm-hmm. go. You know? So we get in, and that's where again I'm like pushing him. But it felt like I'm hunting with a friend. You know? What oh, I mean? really? It didn't feel like. It didn't feel like this is like a a paid for thing. It's like we're hunting. Let's go. Oh, but yeah. Yeah. Although it's a little bit of like a mentor role. You know what I mean? Because you obviously you have the experience, right? Mm-hmm. But either way, mm-hmm. we. Got got into 40 yards and the buck to see the rack coming at us or whatever it was. And it was a super tall grass. I worked on in this little dip, right? Just waiting for it to step out at 40 mm-hmm. yards, you know, see the rack, see it coming. Like here it comes right now. And then the rack got low and never seen it again. I can't even explain it where it went or what huh. wind us or, or what, I don't know, but, Interesting, um, man. that was one, one deal there. But anyways, it, just that specific moment of, of going that felt like I was with a friend hunting, oh, you know? Yeah, Yeah my adrenaline was just as high as if you and I were hunting, you know? Yeah.
0: Oh, I, 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 believe that <laughs> wholeheartedly. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to have the bow in your hand. It is still something else. Yeah. Right. Yeah, your heart will still get jacked through the roof, but yeah, I could, see, and I could see that as, well, if you're the, there to get them on a deer, you're just going to be like, we're doing this no matter what. You're not going to, you're not going to sit there and consider their feelings. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like, we're just going for it,
1: man. Right. right. But you did, I mean, you do have, uh, different physical abilities where you do take it into account, right? Yeah. And you're going to have to. Yeah. Yeah. Forrester Research interviewed 206 senior technology leaders in major organizations responsible for software development sourcing. 63% said their software development service partners do not have a full understanding of their end customer. If you're dead serious about moving faster and getting more done, Xerotech software development can help you move forward with confidence. Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help solve your problems with mobile, web, and back-end solutions. As they align with their clients, they use a proven method to understand the scope of the problem and help demystify the steps to make it go away. They will deliver the software solution you need, and they do it with the integrity that you'd expect from a family-owned business in the heartland of America. Schedule a call with the team at Zerotech today at Zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C dot com. But yeah, I was, uh, the. I guess I'm curious to get your mindset on this is I've dreamed about starting one up here in the UP. So a guide mm-hmm. for like the rifle hunts up here, uh, guide in, out west in the fall for a month or two or whatever, right? Like move your family back and forth or however it looks. But my mindset was this is like, you could argue, hey, why don't you just go hunt? Which is sure. That's awesome. But tough to make happen in like a family situation right how do you just go hunt for three months you know yeah yeah Uh, whereas if you were guiding it would allow you to like live in the woods be involved with it for three months straight and not have it feel like you're being super selfish or taken away from your family is that does that make sense to you or how do you think about that
0: no yeah it definitely does yeah and that's actually that's kind of a lot of the reason consider it because it would well, and it would be not your normal job working for the man, you know? Mm-hmm. It would just be... It would, It just seems like it would be more enjoyable, but but it's kind of funny when you listen to a lot of old-time guides talk about it, like, not too many look at it very fondly, it seems like. Yeah. Like, very... Like, some do. Like, you definitely have some that, you know... Did, I mean, they did it their whole life, and they loved it, you know, mm-hmm. but... And maybe it's more just fishing guides that don't seem like they look back on it too
1: fondly, But but, yeah... It'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. I think there's like two, to me, there's two components. One is you got to have strict boundaries. Like I think most of them probably burn themselves out. They work mm-hmm. way too much or way too long. Right. So set up your life in a way that the paycheck from it isn't that important. Mm-hmm. I mean, make enough to compensate yourself. Right. And still charge a going rate and whatever. Right. Yeah. But you know, if you need to make, you know, make 40 grand that falls out of 80, whatever, I don't know mm-hmm. what, what the numbers are. Right. But, or make what make half, but have a life that you can sustain, right. Versus getting burnt out on it. But also it's working with the public. I think that can burn a lot of people out. Again, like I talked about that one on a hundred people, that's bad and tough. It could just straight ruin it. You oh, know? Yeah.
0: And especially starting out you're going to get. I feel like you're going to end up with a lot of,
1: mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to take you a while to be selective. Yeah. But yeah, but it, I think you could, I think you could rise pretty quick in terms of making a name and then get to know different outfitters that have surplus clients Mm -hmm. and get referrals from them too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I think you could do that, but then just, yeah, in my head it was like set up, uh, the whole situation where the money from it isn't that important. Mm -hmm. Again, enough to justify it, uh, and still making a decent wage, but you're not like paying for the rest of the year from it. You know, whatever you do outside of that is what's making your income. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: and then I think you could have that perfect world where you're not burning yourself out. Hard to say. Mm Mm-hmm
0: no it would would be worth it would it'd be fun to do it might be one thing i consider is like it might be tough to do like at least like north dakota south Dakota. like a lot of those outfitters are big private landowners Mm -hmm. and but you don't find too like i don't know of any outfitter that does public land hunts in like north dakota Mm -hmm. i don't think it's a real lucrative game but maybe be the first yeah yeah i know i looked at you like this was going on years ago i i mean just because they weren't online doesn't mean that there isn't a outfitter. I'm sure, there, I'm sure there's some. Mm-hmm. But I was looking. I, I looked. I was like, I'm going to find somebody, and I'm going to be a guide for them for a while so that I can at least get my outfitter license and at least have it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find anyone. The only thing I could find in North Dakota was was uh, that private land fenced-in elk. Hmm. But Yeah. Huh. No, I don't there know. Is, I want to say there's some. I was asking Mike Davenport about that, and he did mention
1: somebody, but I can't
0: remember who that
1: was now. Yeah. No, it's, uh, that was, something, I mean, actually the podcast even is kind of what inspired me to do this. You sat, I sat across from like 40 people and they're telling me what they're interested in. And they're like, yeah, I've been dreaming about flying to Alaska or I've been dreaming about this. And you're like, why wouldn't you, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like life is short, you know? Oh and, yeah. And then yeah. I eventually look in the mirror, like I've been talking and thinking about guiding out there forever. Why wouldn't I, you know? <laughs> Yeah. And, and found a way to make it happen. But it was, uh, uh unreal. I'm so glad I did it. Oh yeah. yeah. No, I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah fun super fun september yeah how long did you do it for august 18th to the end of of september and they were like five day hunts so i don't remember how that worked out i think there was like six or seven batches of hunters or whatever that Mm -hmm. that ended up coming through you know yeah um yeah that was so fun the highlight was that the last day of the last group of hunters we got three bucks three guys on the last well it was their fourth day of their five day hunt and on the day four no bucks down or nothing you know uh and I could get in the story another time later too or something like that. But it's uh Ended up having a big part in glassing up all three of the bucks. Oh, really? Uh, and, and getting it. Well, the, no, the one I glad excuse me, the one that first guy, the another guy who got in, uh, they shot it and then I found it then got, got in for a second shot, you know?
0: Oh, okay. Um, yeah.
1: But then the other one in that same time found another buck that we ended up getting in on and then the, uh, that afternoon found another buck that we ended up getting in on and getting it too. Oh, so. no kidding. But three archery deer, three guys in one day, that was unbelievable. That is unreal. Jeez. Yeah. Huh. Um, but that, and that was to top it off. Uh, at the end end of the trip oh, yeah. ended end yeah. on a high note it was a lot of fun but yeah you've considered it though
0: yeah oh yeah. <clears throat> yeah not so much lately I guess maybe more just being selfish I start like yeah but no I wouldn't. it would, it would offer you like a lot more time in the woods mm-hmm. right now I just I get uh, lately working at go doing this 20 and 10 schedule I like just kind of get a little bit of uh, tunnel vision I guess mm-hmm. where I start looking at every month as like I can do a trip every month mm-hmm. within a 10-day window yeah like you know if my days line up and actually lately now this year my days up my days off line up like complete garbage for every single hunt in every mm. single state like bar none yeah. <laughs> so so i just end up we got a kid coming in august so i'm just this this season will be a it'll be a little more laid back yeah. i actually didn't even draw south dakota went to a draw now for their archery tag mm-hmm. And I didn't even draw that. I couldn't believe it. Hmm. That, that, they cut those tags, which I mean, if they're going to make a draw, draw and they're going to restrict tags, some people aren't going to get them. And I just end up being one of those people. But I, I didn't look into what they restricted it to. I didn't think they would restrict it that much, Yeah. but,
1: but they're really cutting back now, which is surprising. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I mean, even just to wrap it up, it's, uh, I was excited. I, I, obviously pumped to talk about mule there. Right. But, mm-hmm. uh, I, I really didn't know necessarily like i said it would you i assumed you would say mule there for num- being number one mm-hmm. you know uh but i didn't know that things can change or whatever there's a part yeah. like stick, yeah unreal you know
0: yeah no and it's i mean we we, we obviously like as americans have like we're so damn lucky yeah. like we can go we can do so much when it comes to hunting and fishing like we have there's so many opportunities out there and you could talk to anyone and like they're like like the just the range, it's 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 ab- absolutely remarkable. I mean, and so like it's pretty easy to to find stuff to preoccupy yourself with all year, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, no matter what, like, and I can get pretty hung up. Like I was like, you know, whatever, going on, I like all oh, that. Like that kind of gets in your blood. Just that, you know island living Mm -hmm. hunting it's like that's fun it's like fun but it's all that's all it is it's just fun Mm -hmm. no matter what yeah i always come back to just there's just something about something about mule deer you know something about mule deer and maybe that'll fade you know i mean there's definitely a whole lot of stuff i haven't done and need to do yet but it's definitely in my blood and in my bones right now i don't think that'll leave yeah but yeah i think no matter what like I don't, yeah, I don't see you not, not doing meal deer hunting and not just hunting as much as possible. And it, it is sweet been able just to take home piles of meat all the time and, mm-hmm. and having, I don't know, we were kind of vaguely talking about it earlier, but yeah, just having, having meat that you feel something about to cook. And, and I, and I never like romanticized that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Like, especially like, I mean, I just out there killing stuff and. And eating it like i didn't never romanticized it but it definitely had a feel to the point where like when you run out of venison like and all that like we're out don't have any whereas like with venison i like enjoyed cooking i'd look for recipes like oh let's try this and now that we're out of that like when it comes to red meat stuff just having used beef i could care less about doing it I'm like just do what you want i don't care like whatever it is i'll eat it but mm-hmm.
1: also no no drive for any of it but yeah when you're connected to it i don't think i romanticize the food either but I, I, yeah, you appreciate it for sure. Yeah. Uh, it will take you back. You're eating that back strap. You'll think about the deer hunt and you'll think about that or whatever else. But yeah, no, it's fun to hear about, fun to chat about, uh, like you said, hopefully in 30 years, or I should say when we're 70 or 80, we're still getting after it. Oh you yeah. Know. Yeah. But thanks Troy. appreciate it. Yeah. No problem. Hey guys, thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have, and you feel so inclined Share this podcast with your friends. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, and give us some feedback with a review. Until next time, thank you.